morning, everyone. Morning. <coughs> Just sorting this technical stuff here. <coughs> Welcome in the house of the Lord and uh, greeting once again. <coughs> Let's pray again. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we bless you this morning, Lord. We are so grateful, Lord, for your helping hand, Lord, and for your uh, leadership and your guidance in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the gracious gift of salvation, O oh Lord Almighty God. We know that he who has made the promise is uh, faithful and will see us through to the end. Lord, we rely on you and we trust you and we trust in your Holy Spirit. Be thou our vision, be thou the source of our inspiration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Contending for the faith is the topic this morning. Contending for the faith. Uh, we will have two readings, two main readings. One is in Psalm 11. And uh, there will be an introduction to that from Jude. Jude three and four. So let's turn to Psalm 11, please. <clears throat> In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bow, their bow. they make ready the arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the, at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked, and the one who loves violence, his soul. Verse 6. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. Turn to Jude. Jude, verse 3 and 4, please. <clears throat> Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, and godly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and denied the only Lord, God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, this reading from Jude here is very true as uh, an introduction for me this morning. Because um, I just wanted to talk about um, Psalm 11 
talk about salvation um, build on my previous teaching, the previous teaching um, on the way to eternity. Focus on salvation. But I found it necessary to exhort you to contend for the faith. Contending for the faith in these perilous times. This warning here from Jude was also echoed by Paul when writing to Timothy. He said to Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound word which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good things which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. There is something that has been committed to us by the Lord when we first believed. And what we've heard so far till today. And the Lord is telling us, hold on to that. Keep that which you have received. Keep it. In fact, at the evening of his life, Paul, writing to the same young pastor Timothy, said, I have run the, the race. No. I have fought the good fight. And I have finished the race. See? I have fought and I have finished. And somewhere he say, I have kept the faith. Many people are departing from the faith as a sign of the last days. But Paul say, I have fought, finished the race, and kept the faith. That is called the perseverance of the saints. It's not going to get any easier. It's not going to get any easier. I don't remember that verse a good brother used to tell me all the time. Maybe you know it. The verse was something like, I'm paraphrasing. If you so weak in time of quietness, what would happen to you when things get troubled? If we show weakness now, what would happen to us? It's not going to get any easier. The Bible calls it, and that's one of the reasons I like English, high times. High time. That's very serious. Someone wrote this song and said, this is the time for faith. This is no time for jokers. This is very serious. Now, Jude is writing. What's the reason why he's writing his letter? He makes it very clear. Because some men have crept into the body of Christ unawares. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Galatians, put it in a different way, have introduced themselves by stealth. Is that how you pronounce it? Stealth? Yes. Secretly. In French, furtivement. Cunningly. Introducing the body of Christ. Sitting, doing like a Christian, waiting the time to strike and destroy. We are called to high discernment these days. And Jude was very serious in tackling that. But he's telling us why and how. And how we will recognize those, those false teachers 
one expression. He says, certain men, in any ways, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lewdness. What's the other word? Lasciviousness. Lasciviousness. That's a big word. I think it's in King James. The synonym for that is dissolution. Dissolution. You see, you take a big mug of tea, all you need is one teaspoon of sugar, or half, to change the taste of it. Dissolution. All that is needed is a very little confusion. Very small amount of uh, leaven raises the whole thing and bring confusion in people's minds and confuse the whole thing. Lewdness is represented by behaviors that is a behavior that is deemed morally impure and unacceptable. That's the first element of it. Impurity. Something doubtful, morally unacceptable. It is also the fact of inciting to lust. Inciting to lust. You are the best. I am the best. I am the best. I am the best. More, more, more. It's also the quality of being very sexual or lustful in a very offensive way. And it's also the state of ignorance or the state of being intentionally kept uninformed. We can sum up all that by one word, confusion. Confusion. So, those people who have crept in unawares in the church of Christ are entertaining a huge spiritual confusion and believers don't know what to do. Okay, I didn't think about this. Let me give you one instance. About one or two weeks ago, I heard that the Church of England voted for a special service for, to recognize transgenderism, something like that. Have you heard about it? Yes. So you see, so those are people who are teaching the Bible. And they've got very respectable names. The reverend, very reverend, you name them. Scary. I debated with one of the, well, not debate, but we exchanged in the corridor. Did you know that later on he became the Archbishop of Canterbury? What was his name? Rowan regarding uh, the book of uh, Revelation in uh, St. Albans in 2002. Those people believe that, um, you know, the book of Revelation was to do with the Roman Empire that has passed. Respectable people, vicars of Christ, confusion. Dissolution is the process of dissolving into parts or undoing something is part of the definition and doing something. But Paul is writing to us, he's saying, hold on to which that you have received. I think it's Roger Hockland who wrote a book, Faith Undone. Undoing, that's part of the process. 
denying the lordship of Christ, denying that Christ is the only way to God, denying all those foundations of the Bible. And people are going unchecked, and the church is in confusion, complete confusion now. Part of the reason being that believers are getting too much distracted with videos and information. Yeah, it's good to be informed, but it's good to know the Bible, the Word of God. And we shall see the impact of too much information. Well, it's good to add knowledge, but with all those, get understanding and wisdom from the book. You see, when I meet believers and I am edified or challenged by good brothers and sisters, my objective is to try and find out what is their secret, what keeps them going. What keeps them going? I approached um, a Christian many, many, many years ago. He used to distribute a magazine where we were younger, and uh, I became a Christian. I saw him. I said, oh, I've got an opportunity to find out why he's still in the faith. And I asked him, what is your secret? Because we used to be so bored. We're running, playing, and we stop us in the street and give the magazine. And he was still in the faith. He wrote a small paper to me for me. And he said, put that in an envelope because I was traveling, going to university. He said, when you get in the plane, open it and read. You will have the answer. I did that. And in the plane I opened, I was expecting a fantastic Bible verse, etc. He says to me, the strength of the crocodile is in the water. Christ Jesus, being the Son of God, prayed earnestly. The strength of a crocodile is in the water. And Christ, being himself God, prayed earnestly. So the answer was, pray and fellowship with Christ. That has been his secret. When Dave Hunt passed away with his wife, I was sent a song. And I was told that was Ruth, Ruth Hunt's secret. Day by day and with each passing moment. She sang in difficult time in the morning. And I've taught that to children day by day. Strength I find in God. So good to know where people are coming from. What keeps people going? Don't say I will do things my own way. No. Imitate the faith. We cannot transfer the ministry from one person to another, but we can imitate the perseverance of others. Don't say, no, that's how, you know, that's how I grew up. You know, in our church, that's how we used to do. No, learn from one another as we move forward. Because we are the body of Christ. Everyone has received an impartation from God. Learn and benefit from it for your and my growth. Now, as the body of Christ, we are also called to use the same principle of dissolution in a positive way. You see, you don't need a huge amount of salt 
to change the taste of something just a little bit. And we are called salt and light in this world. Use the same principle in a reversed way for the Lord. Play your role, wherever you are, wherever God calls you, play your role. Make a difference. Don't swear. That's just an example. Don't steal. Be honest. If you're managing the company's finances, be honest. Tell the truth. Edify. Work for peace. Demonstrate that there is another way of doing things. Let people see the difference. Think and be done differently. I'm not touching marriage and divorce now. I'll come back to that later. Because we're talking about foundations being destroyed. In Matthew chapter 7, don't turn to it, I'll quote it for you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, the Lord warns, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. And Judas explained, at least it's some of them, with the number one being greed. Love for money. It's all about money. The ministry is all about money. I've heard ministers boasting, ridiculing one another because this one has bought the latest jet, private jet, and that one. And I heard Benny Hinn one day saying, if you are a pastor, you want to drive a Honda, that's your business. So it's a sin to drive a Honda. It has to be limo. Yet, Bible readers, following, we have to be careful. Also, Paul writes to the Corinthians, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So it's always been a problem. And we are called to talk about these things. It's not about judging. It's not about being best than anyone else. In fact, Paul, in his, in his letters, even named names. Philetus. Himenius. Naming names. To warn the people of God. It's not about being self-righteousness. It's about teaching the Bible only. And if anything wrong is being said here, please challenge me. The Bible gives us that responsibility as Bible teachers to build up the church of Christ and to warn the people of God. And Paul, Peter did that when he was um, traveling, no, Paul, I think, was traveling from Ephesus, gathering the, uh, the elders and telling them, be careful, because I know that after my departure, I'm in Act 20, savage wolves, savage wolves will introduce themselves and false teacher will rise from within. You see, savage wolf coming from outside and false teacher rising from that. They're doing the same work. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. How can 
and righteousness being promoted outside the church and the church just welcoming anything. Anything. Because that's the mechanism. That's how it works. Some are operating from outside and some are spying from within to weaken the church. But the Lord said, I will build my church and the gate of the Hades will not prevail against the church. Let us cling on to the Lord. Exalt the Lord as we do, as you do. He has made the promise and you will have the final say. No wonder the book of Jude has been called the act of the apostates. You see, it's really God against you shall be gods. That's the battle. It's God and men making themselves gods. I remember a good brother saying to me, the problem in this world is that we have about 7 billion of people. Everyone thinks they're little God. Confusion is terrible. God has to rule this world. God sets the standard. And we have to play by his commandment and his standard. Now, we're talking about foundations here. Foundations, it's very tricky. Because the Bible does not say if a foundation. Foundations, plural, with a S in most of the Bibles. So many foundations are being attacked and destroyed. Not destroyed because it doesn't say the foundation has been destroyed. No. If, there is an if, the foundation is being destroyed. It's under attack, in other words. What shall the righteous do? If you're standing in a shaky, wobbling, shaky foundation, what would you do? You know that the Bible, Jesus Christ, God, Christian faith, for you, for me, is all. You can take everything apart from that. That's the reason why some of our forefathers were burned and they refused to deny Christ. And the Bible says, above all, take up the shield of faith which, with which we'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Do you understand? So when you've lost everything is gone, that faith in Christ, who is himself the author and the finisher of faith, by his Holy Spirit is left. And that, no one can take it away. We see that in the life of Job. He lost everything. I used to have problems with my, 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 my daughter because when I was saying job, they were saying, no, it's not a job. Job is work. It's job, job, job. Okay, I say, I'm teaching you. You understand what I mean. Everything was taken from Job. But Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I call that radical faith. By the way, radical is not a negative word. Radical just means you're taking what you believe in seriously. As it is. Radical faith we see in the book of Job. Everything taken away. And at some point he says, though he decides to slay me, I will still trust him. Wow. I've 
heard quite a few times believers going through trouble and say, why me? Why me? Who am I? Job was the most upright person. Who am I? In the verse you're just reading there, it says in Psalm 11 somewhere, it says, God, yeah, verse 5, the Lord tests the righteous. Do we understand that? The Lord tests us. Why does the Lord test us? For his own glory. Can, can you evaluate, can you imagine the level of defeat that was inflicted to the devil through Job's life? He did not anticipate that. Never anticipate something like that. Because from the outside, he said, why? It's because of what you have just take, take, take from him the thing we see will deny you. What a defeat. I know my redeemer lives. What's that song? When other hell and comfort flee, help of the helpless abide with me. Radical faith in Christ. I think my dear sister here prayed and she said, joy that does not depend on circumstances is more than happiness. It's more than pleasure. It's the joy of the Lord. That is our strength that results from the Holy Spirit. If our out, outward man is being destroyed, our inward man is being renewed daily. I remember my dear friend in America who used to tell me she was very sick and she was ill and she said to me, I look forward to that new body when Christ comes. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When I became a believer, I heard some believers praying like this. They were saying, Lord, the Lord, thank you, Lord, for providing for all my need. At that time, I did not understand because I had different criteria of needs. But now I can testify that the Lord provides all our needs. Not wish, not want, needs. Because when we rely on him and we say, thy will be done, he knows what is best for us. And we can, with that state of mind, appreciate that the Lord is meeting our needs. Remember all the testimonies last week? All the testimonies here? And I'm sure it could have gone on and on and on. I was about to go. I was encouraged by Joseph. I was about to go. I say, well, okay. I'm sitting down because we all have testimony. You know that song? Count the blessing one by one. Then you will realize what the Lord has done. Be grateful with the Lord. Don't compare yourself with others. Others are not your criteria. Look to the Lord. See what the Lord is doing in your life. And realize and be thankful to the Lord. The Lord is our deliverer. The Lord works. The Lord helps us. We are desperate. I was told that someone prayed previously in past centuries in Scotland. He said, Lord, bless me or I will die. That's desperation. Jacob did the same. Battle with the Lord all night. 
Are we really desperate for God? Do we feel that we cannot do the next step without God? Do we feel that tomorrow, Lord, tomorrow is coming? Make plans, but walk with the Lord. Who made a great plan after his harvest? The Bible says he was not rich for God. And the Lord said, foolish person, today, tonight, your soul will be required from you. Plans are good, but work with the Lord. <laughs> Amen. The battle in Psalm 11, there are two words there. In the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul? And the end of verse 2, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. British people call this the battle of mind and soul. Or heart and soul, I don't know. But there is soul somewhere. You see, the battle is not physical. No. The suggestion here is talking to the believer soul. And secretly, they are shooting to the believer's heart. If you want more details how this happened, not now, in your own time, read in Psalm 64, verse 3 and 4. You will see all the secret plan. The Bible says, Lord, Lord, tormented, vexed, tormented his soul. Why? Because of what was going on around him. He wasn't happy. He wasn't saying, oh, God is love. Okay, it's okay. In the end, God will forgive everybody. No, he was tormented to see blasphemy, to see unrighteousness, to see ungodliness everywhere. Inside his soul, he was tormented. What is our attitude? Do we justify things or we feel grieved when the name of the Lord is being ridiculed and blasphemed? What is the state of our heart when we see that? Now, in Psalm 11, it is a dialogue going on here. It's a dialogue between two people. Think like this. Someone knocks at your door and you engage in a conversation and things are going so bad around you bad news and the prospect of a third world war with North Korea and America, etc. And things are getting so bad. And someone is coming with all those news. Verse 1 here is a reply in a conversation that has been going on already. How do I know that? In the Lord, I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird? There have been a conversation before. 
things are getting so bad, do something about it, flee like a bird, do this, do that. Well, how can you say that to me? I trust in God. Firm foundation. Clear statement from the outset. The Lord is my shepherd. He knows what is better for me and he will supply. From the outset, it has to be clear, firm foundation. I trust in the Lord. How can you say to me, flee like a bird? Where? Look at the verse. To your mountain. To your mountain. In the Bible, mountain represents a place of worship. Most of the time, idolatry. Even when it is associated with the God of Israel, the Lord Jesus corrected that. Remember with the Samaritan? Oh, you worship in the temple, you worship in the matter. Oh, yeah, that's true. By the time it's coming, where people will worship in spirit and in truth. So even when the mountain is attributed to God, it's still a wrong thing. Everywhere is mountain. Flee to your mountain. Find your own comfort. Find your own way. Make your own God. Find your own solution. Remember in the book of Jonah, when the ship was uh, getting funny? Wake up and pray to your God too. Everyone was praying to his God. Can you recognize that today? Everyone to his God. And then the Christian God, someone was talking and say, and say, okay, for those who believe in God, at least the Christian God. Wow. As if there was any other. Have you heard the survey on the BBC Radio 4? 60 years of existence on the program. They've launched a massive survey for people to say what has changed. You know what has changed first. Tolerance. We are more tolerant society. And they say fewer people, if any, still believe in God, at least the Christian God. That John Humphreys. Wow, what an offense to, the, to many people. Would they say that for Allah? No. At least the Christian God, as if there was another one. Jude say they deny the only God and Lord. The only. Well, if someone tells you that is a great pretension to say that Jesus is the only way to God, then I have no choice than to quote Jesus. What does accept mean? No one comes to the Father except through me. Why are we shy about that? It's not me. It's not my responsibility. Is Jesus say that. Now, if you have a better argument to dismiss what Christ said, then put it forward. Because even the scholars of his time could not stand his wisdom. The mountain. Idolatry. For Luke, verse 2. Verse 1 is David speaking, representing you and me, the church. And verse 2 is the speaker, the evil one, talking. Look, the wicked is bending his bow and is making himself ready with his arrows 
that he may shoot in your heart secretly. So that's the suggestion. And then, I know verse 3 is the most quoted verse in this, in this chapter. But verse 3 was a suggestion to panic the believer. It's the second speaker who is talking here. Look at what they're doing. Flee. They're going to kill you. They're plotting something against you. They will destroy your foundation. What would you do if they destroy it? That's the context of verse 3. David answers in verse 4. After saying that the Lord is, he will put his trust in God, he says this. Verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Okay. In other words, do whatever you want to do. Destroy what you call foundation. But the real foundation of my faith is in heaven. Go and destroy it in heaven if you can. That's what it means. We have to know that God is in heaven. The word of God here proceeds from heaven. When it was first given to Moses, the Bible says on the tablet, on the tablet, it was the finger of God. It's God who wrote the first note of this Bible with his fingers written. And then he gave more commandment and more instruction than the development Deuteronomy, etc. Until today, it's not a man-made, cunningly devised tricks. It's the word of God, sealed in heaven. So you see, that attitude of knowing that I trust in God who is in heaven, he dwells in heaven, no one is higher than God. And he says what? From there, God sees everything and we will pay to everyone. We'll justify the righteous in Christ and reign of brimstone. Sulfur, we're discussing how to pronounce it yesterday. Sulfur, you said, yeah. Sulfur, yeah. Fire will reign one day. Not just reign. Look at the verse. Um, verse 6. Upon the wicked, he will reign, calls, Fire and brimstone and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. In other versions, it says they will drink those things. How can they drink? How can the wicked drink these things? How is that possible? Remember the story of Lazarus and the wicked rich. That thirst, that burning in the Hades, when he was asking even a drop of water, that's the kind of burning the Bible is talking here. One day, those who reject the fountain of the living water today will think. The biggest pain will be to think that they've rejected the only fountain of water. And Abraham said, there's no way, no way. There is a gulf fixed between us. We can't come there. We can't go there. Remember the position. He lifted his eyes. He lifted. He was there. He lifted. Friends, 
We used to say friend, but they are parents here. (laughs) Brethren, these are not jokes. You see, the devil is making things appear as if they were jokes. These are not jokes. We're talking about eternal life here. Young people, these are not jokes. Where you can be young and be godly, I was saved at university as a result of young people, students. In fact, they paid for me to go to that convention where I received Christ. Responsible student, young people. Young people does not mean go to hell. No. Daniel was young. Joseph, Esther, Joshua, all these very, very dedicated people for God made a difference in the history. Young people have to demonstrate that there can be another way of living because of God. Make a difference for Christ. Verse 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance behold the upright. You see, there is um, a direct link between the word of God, the foundation, and righteousness, the righteousness of God. There's no way we can separate that. What makes the church, what makes the Christian life is the presence of Christ. And what is the presence of Christ? How is it manifest? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, 2 to 19. The Lord knows those who are his. And anyone who call the name of God, let him depart from iniquity. See, two things. The Bible calls that a seal. It's a seal, signature, a seal. The foundation of God stands with this seal. The Lord knows those who belong to him. Let anyone who call upon his name depart from evil. Seal. Not because I'm singing well. Not because I can memorize Bible verses. Not because I am this or that. No. Because I'm known by God. I know God. And you depart from evil. That's, that's what God recognized. In fact, I think the, the greatest, I think Blaise Pascal, the great uh, mathematician uh, in France said, you know, he knows only two people, two intelligent people, those who recognize they are lost and those who have found Christ. And that's the greatest, one of the greatest mathematicians who invented all the insurance theories, etc. And we know the other one here. There are so many Newton in this country, so I confuse Isaac Newton, Isaac Watt, and John Newton. But the physicist. Isaac Newton, I think. That's the physicist. Okay. John Newton is the amazing grace composer. And Isaac Watt is uh, the father of the hymns. Okay, good. Good. Okay. <laughs> that greatest physicist, physicist of all time, when he died, his servant found a note written in his court there. I, a humble man, you've bestowed me with a so great gift, great intellect. So he was living, being acclaimed all over the place, but inside he was praising God for that. 
greatest physicist of all time. Compared to him, okay. Yeah, because uh, Richard Dawkins says those who believe in Christ are unsophisticated. Whether that man was unsophisticated, whether C.S. Lewis was unsophisticated, Blaise Pascal was unsophisticated, whether Louis Pasteur was unsophisticated, I don't know. It's questionable. You know, Louis Pasteur came up with the theory of uh, biogenesis. It's not a theory, it's a fact that life can only proceed from life. You can't get life from no life. They call that the law of biogenesis. What does the Bible say in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And life was in it. And nothing that was made was made outside that life. Biogenesis. No life without God. God has to exist eternally in order to create everything in the beginning. There is something in the book of Genesis I call that God's signature. It says something like this. This is the history of the world when God created it. I call that God's signature. It's finished. Everything is signed. This is the history I give to you. Challenge it if you can. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, Verse 18, Pastor John has been taking us in details through that. It says, again, the wrath of God is revealed from where? From heaven. God operates in heaven. For the ungodly and unrighteous. For those who suppress truth in unrighteousness. You see, fighting the truth of God is not, is not comedy. It's a big thing that is going on globally. It's a concerted effort. I call it global um, lawlessness. It's a great effort going on to uproot God's truth. How does that happen? Romans answers in unrighteousness. All that needs to happen is to promote ungodliness. And the truth is diminishing. And what does the Bible say? Because of the increase of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. So there is a negative correlation between the two. They may not come to the TV and say, we don't believe in the Bible. All we need to do is to promote unrighteousness and people get comfortable with that and this one goes down. That's all you need to do. In French they say, à force de voir le mal, on ne voit plus le mal. The more you see evil, you end up not seeing it. The Bible says, woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. So you see, the problem today is no longer do evil or not do, is recognize it first because of the mixture, that effort that is being done to mixture, we don't know. Children don't know. Have you seen that program on the TV? It was being advertised last week. People going in school, in one school, they call young people, it was a young boy, and they ask him, what is the difference between a man and a woman? 
What's the difference between a boy and a girl? And he gave lots of points. Difference. And they asked him something like, where did you learn that? And I think he said something like Sunday school, church, etc. After a while, they showed the same boy. They asked him, what's the difference between a girl and a boy? He said, there's no difference. He said, why? It's because I've changed my mind after the explanation they've just given to us. Surely we've been singing this morning at some point, ladies sang and then men sang. You could feel the difference. Even our little one will understand that, that, that that's a lady singing. But to tell them there's no more difference, can you see the level of confusion we're heading? Suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. These are very serious stuff. The church is called the pillar and the ground of the truth. The pillar and the ground of truth. The church of Christ. You see, this Bible here was not written in different volume. It's just as it is, so that we can preach from every page, every chapter, and not picking and choosing, because it's going to offend. Well, it has to be offending. Not only offending, but also offensive. Because we use the word of God as a sword, the sword of the Spirit. That's offensive to defend ourselves. But it offends everybody. It challenges me. It challenges you. None of us is perfect. None of us. We all need God. We all read the Bible and say, oh, see, you read like this because it's like this. See, that's me. Now, Suppressing the truth. Oh, let me put to you a quote, if I may find it. I have a quote here from uh, Barack Obama, who was, uh, oh, I can see. Oh, people are so happy with that. Um, okay. <clears throat> In the Washington Post, is a newspaper in America, January the 20th, 2009, that was a special inauguration issue, paid for by the American Humanist Association. They congratulated Obama for saying in his autobiography this, quote, whatever we once were, we are no longer just a Christian nation. We are a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, a Buddhist nation, a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. In an interview with Kathleen Farsani, he also said, quote, I believe that there are many paths to the same place. He also said this, quote, All people of faith, Christians, Jews, Muslims, animists, everyone knows the same God. And at a meeting with evangelical leaders in 2008, he was asked if he believed that Jesus was the only way to salvation. He replied, Jesus is the only way for me. Do you understand what he meant? Not for you if you don't choose him. You can find your own way. 
But what does the Bible say? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. No man, not just Barack Obama, anyone, cannot come to God except through Jesus. Who is telling the truth? Who is trustworthy, Obama or Jesus? You see, that's the reason I'm saying we have to be very careful with the amount of information, with the so-called great head, great thinkers. We have to be very, very careful. You know, you've heard of Anthony Flew. Yeah? Anthony Flew was, for 60 years, the world-leading atheist. So Richard Dawkins was nothing compared to him. 60 years. He received many prizes for following evidence wherever it leads. He was sincere in his unbelief. And when he found evidence about Jesus Christ, he followed it. And wrote a very small book called There is God. It's a very complex philosophical book but it's very good to read. There is a God. So when he changed his heart, Richard Dawkins became so furious. He went to America and added, undertook conference upon conference upon conference because there's nothing he could say, he could do about that. Anthony Flew was What about that? What about the greatest magician in America who say he was going to replicate the resurrection of Christ? And when he failed on that basis, he said, I better become a Christian. <laughs> John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Only him. Simeon referred to Jesus Christ as God's salvation in Luke 2.30. God's salvation. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, declared, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The implication was salvation is only in Jesus. Well, God takes responsibility. I believe, but God takes responsibility for that. The burden is on the opposition to disprove that. <clears throat> Suppressing the truth of God. In the Guardian online version last... This Wednesday? Last Wednesday? Wednesday, the 9th of August, 2017, there was this writing. I quote, More than... 60 current and former Google employees, you've heard that in the news, are considering bringing a class action lawsuit alleging sexism. The Silicon Valley company is reeling from the leak over the weekend of a male engineer, software engineer's 10-page manifesto criticizing diversity initiatives and arguing that men may occupy more leadership roles than women in tech due to biological differences. Now they write this, 
That document, which was widely condemned as scientifically inaccurate, prompted Google to sack the author of that manifesto. Ah, okay. So, the difference is writing. Everybody says scientifically inaccurate is being sacked because it's being sexist. Okay. But what is the predominant view, world view in the world today? It is evolutionism, which is underlined, backed by natural selection and the work of Charles Darwin. Okay? Good. Now, let me read for you a quote from Charles Darwin in his Descent of Man book, which is published in 1871. That's Charles Darwin. Quote, the chief distinction in the intellectual powers of the two sexes is shown by man's attaining to a higher eminence in whatever he takes up than can woman. Whether requiring deep thought, reason, or imagination, or merely the use of the senses and hands. If two lists were made of the most eminent men and women in poetry, painting, sculpture, music, inclusive, inclusive of both composition and performance, history, science, and philosophy, with half a dozen names under each subject, the two lists would not bear comparison. He goes on to say, thus man has ultimately become superior to woman. That if men are capable of a decided preeminence over women in many subjects, the average of mental power in man must be above that of woman. That's Charles Darwin. In order that woman should reach the same standard as man, he says, she ought, when nearly adult, to be trained to energy and perseverance and to have her reason and imagination exercised to the highest point. And then she would probably transmit these qualities chiefly to her adult daughters. Man is more powerful in body, in mind than woman, Therefore, it is not surprising that he should have gained the power of selection. Page 327 to 329. If people are really honest, he should be sacked as well. He should be sacked. Kicked out of classrooms. But you see, when someone was asked about the veracity of evolution, he replied by saying, we know evolution has many problems, but the alternative is unthinkable because we cannot allow Moses' foot in the classroom. So they know exactly what they are doing. Well, I wish this quote could be in the newspaper so that we see what people would say about this. You know, probably that man has read, has read, read this and put in his own words, and he's been sacked. But this is foundational of all the belief system we're facing today. Suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. 
I think I've said enough. Just concluding with one foundation that is being destroyed. It is a fraud, a fraud to tell people just God is love. That's a fraud. God is love, just, and holy. Hold your breath. There are things God hates. Specifically in the Bible, God hates divorce. Clearly mentioned in Malachi chapter 2. God hates. There are things God hates. God hates those who shed innocent blood. There are so many things God hates. But let's pick up one of them. Divorce. Now, we are believers. We love God and he loves us. And God hates divorce. How can we support and accept something God hates? Why has divorce become so popular, even in the church? It seems to be becoming a... You know, the believer, when we were very, very little, even non-Christian, they used to say, don't say the word divorce because the devil will come in your household. Divorce was synonymous of devil. Boundary. Husband and wife knew the boundary. But today, it's a threat upon threat upon threat upon threat. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck you. I'm going to leave. I'm gonna... There was a day when I was so exhausted after counseling on this matter. I was, so ex- I was so tired. And I went to have some rest. It was on Saturday. And I had a phone call from Africa. Believers, one is a servant of God, has just decided to leave his wife with seven children behind, threatening to kill them. And he left them. He took all the money, everything, and left them. And they were crying, and young people, they were there, and they were crying. And I heard that. Christians. The man, I've got his text message on my mobile phone when he was... Uh, sending his wishes at Christmas, saying we are brother, etc., etc. Left wife with seven children. He's gone. Christian. So I was sorting one thing, and I got that one. I couldn't even begin, and I went to sleep. I was so tired. Just in front of us, there is an estate like this. I heard husband and wife shouting each other, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. I couldn't sleep, and I wake up, and I, I was very angry. Why? Christians. We have to be very careful, dear brethren. We are not immune for that. The only immunity, is that what you say? Immunity is obedience to God. No one is spared. Hold on to God, husband, wife, daily. Pray together, read the Bible, obey, be humble, selfless to make it work. But this standard becomes the world then I'm running right in the world. Because the world... Let me read for you some facts here. Quick fact and figure on divorce. This is an ad online. This is an ad advertisement online. Divorce online for just £37. No courts, no solicitor fee, and low-cost divorce provided by professionals. 
the ad reads. Your divorce petition can be initiated online now for just £37. Or you can have all the divorce forms you will need to send to court completed for you for just £67. There isn't a simpler, more complete divorce package available in the UK than this. If you use our three-step process to generate your divorce papers, you can initiate your divorce in less than three minutes and save up to 720 pounds. Three minutes. A whole life destroyed in three minutes for money. The Bible says God hates divorce. Why? Because it covers one's government you see, the ramification in the society of divorce is so huge. It's so huge. The Lord sums up with one few words. It covers one garment with violence. Why is it so popular in Christianity today? What is happening? The fear of the Lord gone. That's the answer. Everyone is playing by his own rules. Everyone. Pride, arrogance, selfishness. I can do myself. I can do without you. You nothing. This and that. This and that. I challenge you to find me one example of people who have divorced and are happy in life. There's none. None. They may pretend, but there's none. Because you have broken your first love, your pure first love to your first love. There's no way you can break that and say, I'm happy. It's impossible. You will go from one thing to another, one thing to another, or faking, and live with that guilt forever. Last year, over 15,000 people in the UK used that service. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not advertising the name of the company. 15,000 people used that company to initiate the divorce petition, allowing them to get on, that, that's the company writing this, allowing them to get on with their new, happier lives using the UK's most popular low-cost do-it-yourself divorce service. Do it yourself. No need for counseling. Just, I'm not happy. I'm going. Easy. By the time the spouse wakes up, you receive a notification from the court. All done. Let's talk about the settlements. They say divorce is never painless, but our experienced divorce team can provide all the essential document, documentation, paper, advice, and support you will need to settle your uncontested divorce quickly. So, can you see the promotion here? It's really here. You can do it quickly. You can do it. Don't think about the pain of the process. We are there to help. In 2011, more than 235,000 divorced in England and Wales. 235,000 divorced leaving children and breaking hearts. On average, 40 years old men and 42 years old 
women on average, according to the ONS, Office of National Statistics, I think. 34% of marriage are expected to end in divorce by the 20th wedding anniversary. 35% are now expected to end by the time they reach 20, 20th anniversary of wedding. Does that concern you? That's very serious. If the foundation is being destroyed, what shall the righteous do? Why can't we learn? Why can't we look at the senior people and ask, how did they do it? It's never easy. How did they do it? Patience, forgiveness, abnegation, selflessness, mutual attention, all those things. That's why people celebrate. 10th anniversary, 20, 50, because it's not easy. But with the Lord, a threefold cord, you know the verse, is not easily broken. And as believers having God, it should show the difference. Why threatening each other every day? It's become the norms, including pastors, divorcing, remarrying someone else, even before divorcing, in the same church and continuing to preach. And the church is still filled with people promoting the pastor. That's enough. Let no one cheat you, the Bible says. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. You are complete in Christ. If I am overcome, I can cry out to God. If I can't forgive, I can't forgive, I will cry out to him. He will help me. Cry to the Lord. Don't take easy solution. Don't fly like a bird to your own mountain. Trust in the Lord. May God bless you. Let's be on the Lord's side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you and we say thank you for your unfailing help. Thank you, Lord, for sustaining us. And as we pray about these things, we pray that you give us the strength to carry on fighting the good fight of faith, to run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is both the author and the finish of our faith. Lord, we also pray for our families. We pray for this church. We pray for all the couples in this church. We ask, Lord, for your mercy, that you continue to strengthen us, that a difference will be shown to the world, that we are indeed Jesus Christ followers and disciples. Lord, help us to be forgiving, to be humble, to be selfless, to trust you, and to be strengthened in the might of your strength by your Holy Spirit. We bless your name and we love you because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.